All right, so let's let's go ahead and pray now, and uh, we'll get into the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Um, thank you that we live in a country that we can participate in the process uh, of governance and that we can um, speak our mind on the issues. And so, Lord, we do lift this up to you. We do pray for protection for the unborn, Lord. We we just uh, we also just want to pray for those who might be in the lives of women who are struggling with decisions of keeping their babies. Lord, we pray that they would have the support that they need, and so um, that others would just step up and and help them. And so, Lord, we just uh, we pray for this. We also just want to lift up the rest of our morning together. We pray that you would um, help us to be. Um, in our hearts, just wanting to do what you want more than anything else. God, we just pray that um, help us, God, to, to uh, well, like it says in the Bible, that there might, uh, you know, Lord, may we, as John the Baptist said, may we decrease and Jesus increase in our lives, Lord. Let you would have more and more of us, Lord. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are we're jumping back into the Gospel of Luke, um, and uh, what we've done is the first uh, most of the first nine chapters of Luke kind of nicely fits into a package, if you will. And uh, there's a transition uh, starting in verse 51 of chapter nine, where it basically says, you know, Jesus starts to make his journey to Jerusalem. So that's why this is kind of like. Luke part two, you know, uh, and that's why I've got the number two. There's really, it's kind of, we're in the second phase of the book of Luke, and uh, this morning we're going to be look at the, the real main topic here is just following Jesus in Luke 9, 51 to 62. Uh, if you're able to, would you stand with me for the reading of the Word of God? And I'll just read it aloud and listen to the Word of the Lord here. Says when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because of he because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw it, they said, "Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them?" But he turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. Well, so in this first few verses here in Luke uh, 9, starting with 51 to 56, we see a couple of things happening, right? Uh, isn't, it, 
isn't it interesting to see uh, where it says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Well, what does that mean, taken up? Well, I really think it has to do with his ascension, right? If you know kind of the rest of the story, right? Jesus is crucified, placed in a tomb, raised from the dead three days later, and then after a, a period of days, then he was, he ascended to uh, God the Father, and he's now there, it says, at the Father's right hand. And so this ascension, I think, is really what it's talking about. He, he was going to be taken up, okay? Now, um, it is interesting to note, though, that uh, it says he set his face to do this. And the language there really is just saying, you know, he was determined. He was devoted that he would go to Jerusalem, right? Even knowing what awaited him there, which was death on a cross, right? Crucifixion. And so, uh, but he was determined because he know he knew what the outcome would be, and that would be the salvation of uh, anyone who would put their faith in that uh, offering of forgiveness. And so, so there we have it. He set his face towards this, and and interestingly, it said that he was going to go through some village of the Samaritans. We don't know the name of the town, just some village of the Samaritans. Um, now, the Samaritans were, not, were known as kind of traitors to the faith because they kind of intermarried with some other people. And so they weren't full-blooded Jews, if you will. And so they were looked down upon and looked upon as traitors. And so um, most of the Jews, you know, wouldn't, in a sense, be caught dead with the Samaritans. But Jesus is purposely going through this town, okay? And so um, as he does this, he sends ahead basically a group to go get things set up. You know, presumably Jesus had um, a, a following, right? More than just the 12, others were following presumably, and they had to go arrange, you know, places to stay and so on. So he sent these, this group of messengers to this town, and so, you know, invariably, I'm sure they told those people, listen, uh, Jesus is coming to town. We're securing some place to stay for the, his followers, and, and we're on our way to Jerusalem. Well, uh, I don't know if you remember, but um, so when Jesus, you know, has this famous scene with the woman at the well, right, she was a Samaritan woman. And one of the things she said was, you know, well, you Jews, you think that basically, you know, you should be worshiping in Jerusalem, and, and we Samaritans, we don't believe that. They had another place where they felt like was the place of worship. So there was a, dis, a disputation about that, and a sharp one, something we might not understand. But you have to realize that this, uh, one of the points of division was where you worship God, right? And so, um, the the uh, Jews believed, you know, Jerusalem was kind of God's home base, right, for worship, and uh, then the Samaritans had their other place. Okay, and so uh, I think that's what it what it's getting at there when it says in verse fifty three. But the people did not receive him. Right, so the Samaritans were like, no, we don't want Jesus coming to town. Okay. Because, here's the reason, it says, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. 
It all has to do with where he's going to worship. And they're like, you know, if that's the way it's going to be, he's, we don't want him here because we don't believe that's the place of worship. So, and there may have been other reasons, but we know for sure, at least in this Bible text, that it's telling us because Jesus was going to Jerusalem, they were like, we don't want him here. And so, and you know, this is kind of the way it goes, isn't it? Um, even today, uh, it doesn't matter who someone is or what their background is, many people still do reject Jesus, you know, and, and uh, they reject who he is. When they find out the, the biblical Jesus, they say, well, I don't want Jesus coming to my town, so to speak, or I don't want him invading my life and turning things upside down or whatever it might be. And so, um, and, and if you know Jesus as your Savior, it's so hard to understand why anyone would do that. But uh, maybe you should think back about what it was in your BC days, before Christ, that is, before you accepted Christ, and you, you need to remember that, right? And so, um, in fact, I'm just reminded of the verse there that says that no one comes to the Father unless he draws them. And so if there's one prayer there ought to be for someone who's far from the Lord is that he would draw them to himself, right? And so, and that they would experience God's grace and mercy just as anyone, right? And that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Um, that we see when you, when you look in the end, and uh, I just started having my devotions in the book of Revelation, and, and just you see, you know, they're represented, right? Every tribe and tongue and really people group is represented in heaven, right? And so, uh, so that, that's... That gives us a lot of hope in a lot of different ways because I'm just thinking it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter all the things you've done wrong. If you come to Jesus humbly, recognizing and acknowledging your sinfulness, He, uh, you, you can receive His forgiveness and be washed clean. Like it says, it doesn't matter what it is, right? Um, as long as we're looking to Him, right? Looking to Him. Do you remember when all those people were saved there? Um, with uh, they're in the desert, um, they because of their rebellion, they were bitten by snakes, right? And how did they? How did they? How did God save them? They had to look up on a pole, right? Uh, you know, and it's almost kind of pointing towards the cross. You got to look up here, right, and to be saved. And 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 so you have to look to Jesus to be saved. You have to look to Him, and He will. Uh, forgive you all your sin, past, present, future. I mean, um, and so uh, it, it's a it's a wonderful thing to think about what Christ has done for us. But these folks here um, didn't really understand, and so um, uh, I, I think the beauty of it is, though, you got to realize too. Think about again. I keep intertwining all these different scenarios, but think about the woman at the well again. What happened? If you remember, what happened to her? When she put, you know, believed, then she went back to the town, didn't she? Whether the town that she was from and, and many others believed. So that really does, that should give us all hope. They're saying, you know, there's this different timing for different things when it comes to putting faith in your faith in Jesus. And so uh, I just, we all should thank God that he doesn't give up on us, right? That uh, he's patient waiting for all who will come to faith. But these folks at this time were not ready and they rejected him. And again, that still goes on today. Now, a little lesson here for James and John, 
right? The sons of thunder as they're known of, uh, known as, and, and some even conjecture it's because of their statement here, but I don't even know that that's really why they're called as sons of thunder, because they wanted to call down fire from heaven. You know, it's not like, God, they rejected you, and so now, you know, it might be helpful to realize that we're talking kind of an honor and shame culture here. You know, it would be dishonorable to kind of not receive these, you know, this... Uh, itinerant preacher coming to town, that would be a dishonor. And so John, John and James are basically trying to defend the honor of Jesus, and they're saying, listen, let's just nuke these guys right here and now, you know, because I, and, and they're probably even have in their mind what Elijah did. You know, he called down fire from heaven, right? And so they're probably even thinking about that. Um, but, you know, what does Jesus say? Um, he says uh, he turned and rebuked them. It's like, you no, know, no, we're not doing that. You know, there's one thing to shake the dust off your feet like they did when they went out to the towns and kind of, in a sense, pronounce judgment in that way. But, you know, we're not at that kind of an end-time judgment where, we're, you know, there's fire coming down, okay? So he's, he says, no, we're not doing that. But he says he went on to another village. He went on to the next, to another town. So, so that's the... That's Jesus's, you know, his resolve to, to he's going to go to Jerusalem, even though he knows what he's facing, and his rejection. Now, the remainder of the passage um, really has to do with uh, what I'll call just kind of the demands of following Jesus, uh, the demands of following Jesus uh, here, starting in uh, verse 57 and going to the end of the passage, verse 62. Now, this section, uh, and you probably just remember from the reading of it, uh, that it, it's about the high cost of following Jesus. That's really it. It's like, it, it's no little thing to say, I want to follow Jesus, you know, um, and I, I think that's important for us to realize, right? Uh, two individuals in this passage tell Jesus they want to follow him. One individual uh, one of the cases, though, the third case is as Jesus invites someone to follow him, right? Now, um, it's interesting to note, though, that when you see, so this word follow is repeated several times in the passage, right? And so, but that word follow, uh, the tense of it really has to, has to uh, implies that it's something that we are to continue to do, right? It's, it's not a one and done thing. In other words, this is a, uh, we're, we're supposed to be following Jesus always, right? When we say we want to follow Jesus, it's a lifestyle, okay, following Jesus. It's not uh, a day of the week. It's, um, it, it, it's not a time of the day. It's a uh, 24-7 uh, part of our lives. That's what he calls us to, right? And so, and, and you definitely you definitely get the flavor of that in every one of Jesus's responses to these people is so challenging. Now it's been a while since we've been in Luke, but let me just remind you of what he said in Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-three. Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-three. He said, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, okay, if anybody wants to follow me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, that's, that's uh, some pretty serious stuff. You know, you talk about taking up your cross, right, and to deny yourself. Um, 
you know, we're just, um, you know, just thinking about myself. I'm very, you know, um, I'm selfish. <laughs> okay, I just um, part of my sin nature is this. You know, I'm, I'm you know, the the default often is just to think about myself, and um, you know, that's in a sense why we need a savior, right? Um, but but the thing is, is that he's saying though, when when we want to follow him, it's going to take uh, uh, denying ourselves and uh, looking to him, right? And so, uh, as challenging as that sounds, the beauty of it is he never asks us or calls us to do anything that he won't help us to do, okay? Uh, Isn't that good news? You know, Jesus is never going to uh, command you to do something that you're not able to do with what he supplies, okay? And you should know that. So, so here we have it, and we get to um, this first individual, and I'll just remind you here, um, but the, I'll remind you of the verses here in just a second, but there's really kind of, kind of three things that I see as we read this passage, or the, this portion of the passage about the demands of following Jesus. One is that we need to live like our home is not here in this world. We need to live our lives like, you know, this is not really our home, right? Um, And and so now let's look back at the verses uh, 57 and 58 of Luke 9. It says, as they were going along the road, someone said, I will follow you everywhere you go. I mean, that's, you know, that is quite a commitment, right? Everywhere you go, I will follow you. Now, Jesus has the incredible advantage of knowing what's on people's minds and hearts, right? He can read them, right? He knows what they're thinking. He knows what's in there. And he must see in this man uh, a barrier. There's some kind of a barrier really there. I mean, his, his words are saying one thing, but there's really something in here that is really going to prevent him from really following Jesus everywhere um, unless he deals with it. And so, um, listen to Jesus' response. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I don't think this means, I don't think this is a call that if you really want to follow, follow Jesus, you shouldn't own a home. Uh, I've known individuals. I remember back when I first became a Christian, ran across this guy who really felt that following Jesus meant I will have no earthly possession. I will literally voluntarily be homeless. I will voluntarily not own anything of my own. I think he's missing the boat here. I think he's really missing what Jesus is getting at, okay? And certainly, uh, you, you should really consult the entirety of Scripture to really I think, make some of these big decisions like this. Uh, But at any rate, he's not calling us to homelessness or something like this. But what he is saying is that we need to to hold loosely the things of this world because this is not our home, right? You have a totally different mentality if you're at a temporary stay somewhere, right? A totally different mentality about the accumulation of things and, uh, and, and, and so on. And, and so this is just, I think, what Jesus is getting at. Now, 
Um, there is a, a portion of this is a, a passage here that we're reading in Luke. It, there's a little portion that's parallel to it in Matthew, um, in the Gospel of Matthew, and it says there um, that this man, this first man here, is actually a scribe. He's a scribe, right? And so these are the the interpreters of the law, all right? So very studious individuals, right? And so, um, and, and you know, probably they heard Jesus's this person probably heard Jesus' teaching to say, I'd like to really attach myself to this rabbi. I'd like to follow the, his teachings. I really think this is, um, this is good, and I want to follow his teachings. And, and, you know, in that culture, that's what you did. The you know, rabbis were the teachers. In fact, in Matthew, this individual, this first individual, addresses him as teacher. And so, You have this, this man who says he wants to follow Jesus everywhere, but I think really doesn't maybe think about what that's going to require. It's more than just learning some information. It's actually a lifestyle, which does require us to hold loosely to the things of this world. Let me read to you some scriptures in other parts of the Bible um, that has this same um, flavor, if you will, that this is not our home as Christians. This is not really our home. This is a temporary thing, uh, and that we should therefore then view the things here in a temporary way. Okay, so the first one, I don't have it up on the screen, but you might want to write this down. First John 2, 15 to 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So there you just get this, um, this focus that, you know, it's not about, you know, getting as, uh, you know, a certain position in life and it's not about acquiring as many toys as we possibly can uh, or as much money in our bank accounts. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with money and there's nothing wrong with material things. You should know that. It's the love of those things that's the problem. If those things play a central part in your life and you love them, right? It says the, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself and not things themselves. These are tools, really, to be used for the glory of God. But at any rate, uh, we also have in John 15, Gospel of John, verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 19 says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. He's speaking to his disciples. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, he's called you out of the world, right, to live differently from the world, um, and, and that difference will become obvious if we're living uh, our lives according to the will of God. And so he's simply saying, right, that um, the world's going to hate you if you follow me, right? That's a, that's a tough pill to swallow because, you know, I'll be honest, I like people to like me, you know, and you probably do too, um, but it's, that's the reality. Now, don't take that as a license to go out of your way to get people not to like you, 
in Jesus' name, okay? I think we should try to be winsome. I think we should, you know, love people and, you know, you know, because some people, they got, you know, you just, they kind of go to the, you know, they're just thinking, oh, pastor just said, I can't, you know, relate to, I got this kind of, I'm just going to hole up, you know, out there in Montana somewhere until Jesus comes back. No, that's, no, we're sent into the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world, right? We're supposed to be his ambassadors. So Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, our citizenship is in heaven as believers. And so that's our real home, right? We're here on a temporary visa, if you will, right? Until the Lord comes back. The last verse I'll mention on this topic is Colossians 3.2, where it really has to do with the mindset. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, right? Set your mind on things above, right? The, the things of God, what he wants us to be about, those should be the priority, right? And certainly, um, if you have your mind set on God, it doesn't mean you're not going to be involved in the world, okay? No, he, but, but you're going to view it from his point of view, right? That's the thing. So, question, are you preparing for your eternal home? Or have you settled in for a comfortable life here, right? That's, and this is just, uh, these are things to really reflect on because that's a, that's a tough question, right, to, just to be honest with ourselves about. Um, and, and, but we need to live life like we're passing through. You know, may God help us as believers to live life like we're passing through, okay? Now, the second individual here... Um, and you'll see that these all three of these individuals, the, the thing is just really has to do with self-denial, what we mentioned in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. But in this next person, really, I think it's about the, if we are going to um, really rise up to the demands of following Jesus, as it says, make God's priorities your priorities. Right? If we're going to follow Jesus, we need to make God's priorities our priorities. Okay? Now, where are we getting that from? Verse 59, to another he said, so now this is Jesus saying to someone else rather than that person saying to them something. He says, follow me. But then that person's response was, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus' response, and Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Uh, this is just, you know, shocking. It's not a bad thing to want to bury a family member. He's not saying that, okay? I really think this is a shocking statement. Now, there is some debate as to whether the father was already dead, the way it's worded, um, you know, whether he's dying and hasn't died or whether he is actually dead. But at either rate, I think Jesus is using this opportunity here because look at his statement here, verse 60. Leave the dead to bury their dead. I think, this is my thoughts on this, he's saying let the spiritually dead deal with that. You've got an eternal mission that you're on, and that is to proclaim the kingdom. I really think that's what he's going to He's like, hey, people that don't have the kingdom mindset can deal with that. You've got a mission that only you can do, and that is to proclaim the gospel. 
So uh, that's, that's my take on it. It's really, it's about the kingdom priorities. That's what he's saying, okay? Now, when you think about other places in the Gospels, this makes sense. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, listen to what Jesus says. Another shocking statement, by the way. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, is he saying that you're supposed to hate your parents and your children? Absolutely not. It's just simply in comparison to your love for God, it should appear as hate, if you will, right? That, you, that the, a love for God would be at the top, right? He would be top priority, right? And certainly, if you love God, you're going to love your family. You're going to, you know, and so on. But he's just saying in comparison, and uh, as, a, you know, speaking kind of in hyperbole, right? Now, so we should have God's priorities to be our top priorities. So how do you find out what those are? Well, there's only one way I know, and that's to dig into the Bible, right? Learn what is high on God's radar, what he says is important, right? And, um, and certainly Jesus, you know, was asked at one point, right, what is the greatest commandment? And I think, obviously, we should look at that and say, he says, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know, and then to love your neighbor as yourself, right, to love others, love God, love others, right? That, that whole, those two kind of summarize the law, if you will, right? So, um, but when it comes to the day-to-day and living that out, we need to make sure that love of God is a top priority and we learn what are the priorities of His. He gave a priority here, didn't He? Proclaim the kingdom. He said, "Proclaim! you go and proclaim the kingdom. Let the dead bury their dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom. So proclamation is, should be uh, up towards the top uh, here of the pyramid of God's priorities because he wants people to know him and he wants people to come into relationship with him and he wants them to be with him forever, right? But they, you know, like in book of Romans, it says, you know, how will they know unless someone tells them, right? How will they know unless someone tells them? And so as a part of our top priorities, we should be um, the ambassadors for Christ that we're called to be. We're his representatives here on earth, right? Again, kind of connecting with that whole truth that we're, we're not from this world. We're not from, you know, think about it as a country now, right? Uh, our country is in heaven, and, and we're representing Jesus here. We're his ambassadors, right? And so we are to represent him. And as representatives of him, we want to proclaim what's his top priority. His top priority is that people would come to know him. And so proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom is top priority. Matthew 6, 31 to 33 says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Then in verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things 
will be added to you. And so seek first the kingdom of God. The things of God, that should be our primary concern. So we should be about learning what those things are. And, and we have, so we have to get into the word of God. We have to learn what his will is. But the, there's so many clear things. You know, people squall about the unclear things. So many clear things in scripture about what God wants us to be doing. So that should be a top priority of ours. Now, the last individual here that we'll mention here, it really has this theme of don't look back to what you have left behind to follow Jesus. Don't look back to what you have left behind to follow Jesus. Right? Where are we getting this? Well, verse 61 and 62. So it says, yet another said, said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Let me say my goodbyes. Verse 62, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Whew. These, these things just get more smoking as we go along, right? Very challenging, right? I mean, everything you see in all of Jesus' responses is he's challenging his followers to be devoted to him, right? To be devoted to the things of God. And here we have, he's saying, don't put your hand to the plow, right? Don't, don't look and then look back. I, I doubt any one of us here has ever plowed a row with a plowshare and a horse. Maybe there might be some. Anybody done that? Ray? Okay, with a tractor. Okay. All right. But, but at any rate, you know, you can imagine it's hard enough when you're looking ahead Versus, you know, and trying to keep that plowshare if, you know, but if you're doing this, you know, it's just, it's just not going to work. You're divided. Your attention is divided, right? And, and I really think maybe this is really at the core of the looking back thing is our, our hearts can be divided rather than being devoted to God, right? And so we, we kind of look back sometimes and are wanting the things that Jesus told us to left leave behind. This is not, um, this, this idea here is not a foreign concept because if you go and you look uh, at the nation of Israel it, at, at the time of the Exodus, there was a point where they were looking back to Egypt. Do you remember that? Uh, Exodus chapter 16, verse 3 says, and the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. This is when they were challenged, right, with, uh, with uh, they, they were just being rebellious in their hearts, you know. Um, they were not satisfied with what God was doing. And they started kind of thinking back, you know what? Being a slave wasn't so bad. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the sound of that just sounds ridiculous. But that's really what they're saying, right? And uh, it, can, it can be tempting sometimes, you know, just to be honest. It can be tempting sometimes to say, you know what? 
So many people that don't live for God are just getting away with it and getting rich, and they got this and they got that, and they seem to be getting away with it. That's just not right. You know, and you're trying to live thing way right, and you've, you're just, you know, rubbing two pennies together, whatever it might be, and that's sometimes hard to swallow. But that's just Satan trying to get you to look back. That's just Satan trying to make your heart to be divided, right? Because the Lord's going to take care of you. Going to take care of you. Think back to another situation there, right? When Lot's wife looked back, right? And she turned into a, she was told, don't look back there. There's nothing back there for you in Sodom. Nothing. Nothing you want. But once we commit to following Jesus, we need to hold fast to our confession. And keeping your hand to the plow and your eyes focused on the task that the Lord has given you to follow, to following him. And uh, it's challenging. It is, for sure. But you can't have double-minded discipleship. You can't have one foot in and one foot out when you're following Jesus. He wants all of you. That's what he wants. Now, again, we're so thankful that, you know, there are times when we find ourselves in a place where we have a divided heart. You know, again, you got to be real. And, and sometimes you find yourself trying to kind of straddle the line of following Jesus or, or slipping back into, you know, what looks so attractive in what the Lord had you give up for him or whatever it was. And you find yourself in that place, and, you know, then you just need to repent and say, Lord, uh, I've been trying to straddle the line. I know you want me solidly following you and not, not trying to turn back to these ways that are not God-honoring. Right? And um, again, there's grace, obviously. Uh, the grace is found in Jesus Christ, right? As we mentioned, and we've, we uh, celebrated with communion what Christ has done is to, to make a way that our sins can be forgiven. But um, make no mistake, right, when you become a Christian... That right, that the only thing Satan can get you to do is to just be half-hearted about following Jesus, and so then you'll have very much less of a kingdom impact if you're half-hearted, because then you really don't look much different from the world, right? So we we need the Lord's help for this. Would you agree? This is a very very hard and challenging here, but. Let let me just tell you, though, remind you that Jesus did not leave his followers here without anything, okay? He promised his personal presence through the Holy Spirit. As he was, you know, telling his disciples before he ascended, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, that was right after, right, 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 in the same uh, sentence where he's telling them to go and proclaim the good news, to go and make disciples, right? But he's saying, I, I'm not just kind of like sending you out there, and you and you've got no resources to do what I'm calling you to do to follow me. No, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit, my personal presence through the Holy Spirit. I mean, hey, 
If Jesus and the Holy Spirit's not enough, man, we're in deep trouble. More than enough. More than enough, right? And so, so, uh, just, so just know, yeah, these are very, very challenging statements that Jesus is, is issuing here. Uh, it's really about loyalty. You sum it up, it's kind of about loyalty. He wants, he wants us to have, be all in for him and, and to, to be devoted to him. And then when we, we falter in that, which we will at times, we just need to lean back into Jesus, right? And, and just continue to follow. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are just grateful. Grateful that we have these words to reflect on, these, this, what, what Jesus told these people. And God, that may just... Um, circle back to us and to say, have, have, we just, have we decided to follow Jesus? As we think back on that, that hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. And um, Lord, if any one of us here has not done that and has not received Christ as Savior and decided to follow Jesus, Lord, I just pray that today would be their day, that they would say yes to Jesus and yes to the call to follow him. Whatever that might mean, we don't have the script is yet to be written, what following Jesus means for each and every one of us. Um, but, but just even a willingness to turn our lives over to Jesus is really what he wants. And so, Father, we just pray that afresh even today, we would turn our lives over to you and say, Lord, you know, have your way. And uh, Lord, forgive us when we haven't trusted you. Forgive us when we've looked back. Um, um, but Lord, we, just, we rest on your grace and your mercy found in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.